Welcome to Lessons in Leadership. I am Steve Adovato. You also see the uh, lady in red. She's Mary Gamba, my colleague, uh, co-anchor, executive producer of Lessons in Leadership. Mary, you are wearing red today. I am. I am just, a, I, my entire family is thrilled. I always wear black and gray on a regular basis. And especially now that we've done this show, not only has it given me the opportunity to be a co-host with you, but it also has helped me to expand my color palette when it comes to my clothing. Really important leadership stuff. What did you say? I said really important leadership stuff. Yeah, I've expanded my palette. I have a gray tie, a blue tie, a mauve tie. Yeah, that's it. Okay. I think you should add, uh, we were interviewing someone uh, earlier and there was a beautiful, it was a nice orange, no? Not happening. We'll see. Not even for Halloween. We'll see. (laughs) I'm sorry. Hey, Mary, let me ask you this. What kind of feedback have you been getting? Uh, We're taping this show at the end of the summer in 2020. It will be seen later. We're about to uh, introduce uh, a clip, a truly terrific interview. Talk about a compelling leader at a very challenging time is Mayor Roz Baraka in Newark talking about how he's learned about leadership, the influence that his father, Amiri Baraka, has had on him, his mom as well, uh, two very prominent and significant leaders in the civil rights movement. Uh, That being said, switching gears, before we do that, I'm curious, Mary, what kind of feedback have you gotten to doing this show? And if you say no one has said anything, I'll be very upset. No, I, I love the random, I'll get a text from a random person. My neighbor texted and they're like, we just saw you on TV. I had no idea. And I don't go out. I and had no idea what? That I was on TV? TV, that I'm like a co-host and I'm somebody now. So, I mean, I've always been somebody, but now I'm like really like I've arrived and I've made it. And I just love the random feedback. And there's actually um, one of my uh, husband, Bill, one of his friends, Wise, watches our show religiously. So shout out there. And uh, it's just really, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, More importantly, I've really loved talking to all the great and fascinating leaders. And I'm not just saying that because we ask them to come on and they're great, but we keep saying, I mean, we've been doing this for 20 years, you and I teaching and talking about leadership and the- Only a couple years with the show though. Only a couple years with the show. I think we're in the third year because the first two years were just all audio. And, uh, but now that we've switched to video, it just has enhanced it. And having the opportunity to talk to so many great leaders of all stripes has been my favorite part of working together on this endeavor. Thank you for sharing. And you get to wear all new outfits. I do, uh, I know. And produce from our homes because of Elvin Badger and Frank Brown and, and Sylvester on the other end. But pronounce Sylvester's last name so I don't get it wrong. So I don't get that wrong. Uh, I'm not going to pronounce it. What's that? I'm not. Say it again. Lukashevitz. Sylvester Lukashevitz. Sylvester, (laughs) sorry, I should have prepared for that before I even said it. I thought that's what it was, but thank you for clarifying. Frank, I have I have a question for our audio engineer. You could tell we're doing this live. Frank, are you Frank Brown? Frank Brown, are you hearing a little something on Steve's microphone or is it my audio? So it is, his mic sounds fine. Perfect, that sounds great. I was just testing you, Frank. I wanted to make sure Frank Brown was still in the house. So thank you for that. <laughs> must just you know be what's so interesting about this? We're doing this Lessons in Leadership show and we're showing, <laughs> it's like, you can tell we're not editing anything out. We're putting it all in there. And, and Elvin and Frank uh, make it happen. My son, uh, our son, Nick on this end is learning how to become involved in our business and be accountable and responsible. And, and as you said, Sylvester Lukashevitz. I said that right? 
I know I was not saying anything. Then um, we'll say yes. Yes, sir. I got it. So, Mary, here's the thing. Let's set this up with Mary Baraka, excuse me, Roz Baraka, Mary Baraka's son. Um, and by the way, what's so interesting is, is Mary Baraka, I remember doing an interview with him, Roz Baraka's dad, one of the last interviews he did um, before he passed, it was at the New Jersey Performing Arts Center. And I will tell you, what's so fascinating to me is, I was a kid in Newark growing up in the 60s and 70s, and uh, Roz Baraka's dad was a very powerful figure. He was very much involved in getting uh, Newark's first African-American mayor elected, Ken Gibson. My father, who was very involved politically at the time in 1970, was involved in that campaign as well. He supported Ken Gibson, um, the first African-American to become a mayor, the mayor of Newark. But my dad did not always get along with Raj Baraka's dad. They disagreed on a whole range of things, but both very strong-willed leaders. Ironically, they went to Barringer High School at the same time, which is so interesting. The point of all this is that Raz Baraka and, and I wind up doing this interview, and I've interviewed him many times, and it strikes me, not just his approach to leadership, but how personal it is for him and how much he cares so deeply about the people of the city of Newark. What did you take away, Mary? Oh, he is, I, I watched it a couple of times actually, and just his passion and his leadership uh, style, if you will, it, it's contagious. You can feel his passion, his, his caring. We always talk about how you cannot teach caring in leadership and he genuinely cares about Newark, about the city, about the people uh, that make up, uh, you know, the Great Brick City. And uh, I just really thought he, I could listen to him, you know, all day long. It's just really great to hear his stories. And the other thing about Roz Baraka, the mayor of Newark, who you'll see in this interview, is that he's the former principal of Central High School. Mm -hmm. And a lot of Roz Baraka's approach to leadership has been formed by being an educational administrator. And... I'm struck by the fact that, you know, people become, people become teachers, right? And then they go on and very often they get a master's degree or not, and they become administrators. And they're expected now to be the leaders of the teachers they just worked with. And then they become superintendents or the mayor of a city. But I would argue that ultimately, Mary, if you're a teacher, you start out as a teacher like Roz Baraka did, you have to lead that classroom. And we often don't call teachers leaders, but they are, particularly in the age of COVID-19. Talk about being a leader. They are the, the teachers. I, I always said teachers do not get paid enough. I couldn't imagine. It's hard enough dealing with my two kids, let alone 20 or 25 kids that aren't even yours. And you don't know what values they're bringing into the classroom. And now add COVID on top of it and having to figure out how to teach remotely and really connect with those kids. It's hard enough to connect when you're face to face in a classroom and find a way and what, what makes each of those kids really get excited about learning. So, uh, and I feel that that connection between being a teacher and being a leader is so huge. Again, it goes back to caring about others. It's about being empathetic. And it's really about wanting to give back to others, give back to those students. And I think that, you know, Mayor Baraka has definitely pulled that into his leadership approach in terms of not only giving back to the youth, but now giving back to the entire community. That being said, uh, Mary sets this up very nicely. You're about to see a conversation, part of Lessons in Leadership, with the mayor of uh, Brick City, Newark, New Jersey, Roz Baraka. Hi, welcome to Uncut. I'm Steve Adubato, a series of in-depth conversations with the people who matter and make 
decisions every day that affect our lives. We're honored to be joined by Mayor Roz Barak of the great city of Newark. Mr. Mayor, thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me. Question. Um, you're going to see a graphic when people see this. It's going to call the. Uh, it's called confronting racism. It's a series of conversations that we're having, trying to confront racism. What does it mean to you for us, in the media, to consistently and legitimately and meaningfully quote confront racism? Well, I think every institution in America has been infected with racism and white supremacy, and that that includes the media. Uh, if you look at the major media conglomerates or companies, uh, many of the people on the editorial board, the ownership are not people of color. Uh, I, I think that it, it means to put these issues at the forefront as well, to have discussions about them, uh, to talk about them honestly and frankly, and begin to uh, uh, go to these communities and talk to people in the community about these very poignant and serious issues. And not just like find somebody that agrees and find somebody that disagrees and have them go at it with one another, which is really what happens. The mayor says that's something, fake. you find somebody in the community that disagrees with them and you put them at each other. That's not real, that, that's entertainment, that's not real. But Mr. Mayor, right. let me ask you this. You and I have known each other a long time. Our dad's uh, leaders in the city of Newark, your, your father, a great uh, civil rights leader, a poet, um, an activist, somebody who made such a difference. My dad involved in the city as well during the 60s in Newark, 70s, beyond. They had a, they, I don't even know if they talked honestly or comfortably about race, but it was always there. It's always been in the city. It's always been in this country. My question to you is this, why do you think it's so hard for so many of us, black, white, brown, to have honest, sometimes uncomfortable, difficult conversations about race, racism, and race relations? Well, I think it's difficult to have uncomfortable conversations, period, right, with, about anything. So when we start talking about race, uh, it gets worse uh, because things are happening now, it's still happening. It's not something that we're talking about that's in the past that may be easier for us to have a discussion about. These are things that are happening and there are people who are benefiting, like people benefit from, from this. They have a privilege around these specific things and a lot of people not, are not willing to uh, uh, give up their privilege. They're not willing to have these kind of discussions. They, they feel kind of like you're making them responsible. You're making them accountable and guilty uh, for things that are going on. Uh, you know, and, and, and also, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, my community, there are people who are afraid of these tense situations as well. They want to preserve their job, preserve their position. Uh, and so it, it's difficult to have real, honest conversations about it uh, that are going to turn out to mean something impactful for our community. To what degree, Mayor Baraka, do you believe that this moment, we're taping in the middle of June, it'll be seen after that, that there's really something, quote, different about this time, about this moment, that the George Floyd horrific murder on camera and others since then, including in Atlanta, and God knows when this will be seen, I'm praying and hoping as you are that there's not another public incident, um, but there is something to be said for having it on camera because otherwise we don't know what people would, even when they see it, by the way, some people don't believe they just saw what they just saw. But that being said, my question to you, Mr. Mayor, is, do you really believe this is a moment where some meaningful reform, restructuring, change, meaningful change about race, racism, institutional racism can be dealt with and confronted for real? Yeah, this is a, we have an opportunity. I've been calling it the Noah moment. We just have the to what? say it again. The what? Our Noah moment. You know what I mean? Like you know, like we just have to have the the conviction to build the ship. You know, 
uh, we to 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 do go someplace else to start something different. Um, uh, this to me, I, it's like the the death of Emmett Till, right? African Americans have been been lynched for way before Emmett Till's death, and then Emmett Till's mother portrays it, you know, make it makes it public, and people see how horrific it it is, and it sparks the whole entire civil rights movement. And and I think this this death of George Floyd in the middle of the COVID pandemic had everybody home. No sports, no entertainment, no Broadway, no TV. Uh, and so people were forced to stand still and pay attention to this thing, uh, this, this, this moment that took place, this terrible and horrific thing. And so now you don't have any choice uh, really but to react and respond to it. Finally, uh, we do a lot of programming around leadership. We have a sister program called Lessons in Leadership. And I've always been wanting to ask you this. You're a former high school principal at the great Central High School. You're the mayor of, of a huge city with a diverse, a complex population uh, with a whole range of challenges and issues. Do you have a leadership guidebook that you turn to in crisis like this? Uh, not, not really, man. I just, you know, I, I would say a lot of the books that I, I read as a principal are applicable, you know, in terms of uh, you know trying to manage and 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 organize the city hall and make sure we're responsive from the from uh, uh, the fifth discipline or or good to green or books right. like that 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 you know that the classics. I've used to yeah right. that I've used you know to help me organize myself as a principal. Some of those uh, things are applicable uh, in this setting, but also like just regular books that I, that I, that I've read over the years, uh, are, you know, books about, you know, transformation, about change, about revolution, about activism, about, uh, you know, uh, oppressed people, about transforming societies and communities have all been helpful uh, in keeping me focused on what it is that we need to accomplish in the end. Because there's so many distractions, uh, so many distractions, Steve, that it's easy to uh, start working on something else or forget about what the overall yep. goal and uh, into this is. Final question. I've known you a long time and you never seem, no matter what you're feeling or thinking internally, to show it. You know, you know that great expression, never let them see a sweat. <laughs> and I'm not saying this because you're a friend, but I've never seen you sweat. And here's my question. Is that intentional on your part, no matter what is going on, no matter what crisis, no matter what difficulty, no matter what conflict, when you are leading, you don't let people see that you're panicked in the least. What's really going on? Yeah, it's a lot of prayer, man. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> a lot of prayer. And I'm, and I'm serious, man. Just real, real focus. And, uh, you know, ultimately, I get into the, to the, to the moment. You know, it's like uh, any athlete about to play a serious game. You know, you, 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 you get focused. Uh, before the game starts, but when you're in the game, it's you in the moment. Like, and that's that's basically what it is. You know, I, I, I you know I get focused, I pray, I do the things that I need to do, and then when the moment comes, you know, it just happens. And uh, you know, uh, I'm focused on that. You know, and I prepare myself to be focused. Mayor Roz Baraka of uh, Newark, New Jersey, um, my hometown, his hometown, a, uh, a city that deals with all kinds of difficult challenges every day, and uh, the city's lucky to have the mayor as the mayor, as its leader. Thank you, uh, Mayor Ros Baraka. We are honored by you joining us. Thank you, I appreciate it. Be right back after this. 
This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is brought to you by Gibbons PC, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. What a fascinating conversation with the mayor of Newark, Raz Baraka. Uh, Mary, one of the things that, that I'm thinking about that I want to get your reaction to is I think about this. You know, Raz Baraka, as the mayor of Newark, he's not just a strong leader with an incredibly difficult job being the mayor of Newark. He's a prominent leader who happens to be African-American at this particular time in our country's history with racial awareness, racial strife, the challenges we face, the, the fight for racial and social justice. You're talking about a rally that's held in Newark with all kinds of different people, uh, blacks, whites, others, older people, younger people, et cetera. And Raj Baraka is caught up in making sure that it's a peaceful but powerful protest. Point being, he has to also work with the police department. He has to talk about juggling different stakeholders and different interests. We also had Anthony Ambrose, the head of public safety, you know, which includes the police department in Newark. Roz Baraka, the mayor of Newark, put Anthony Ambrose, who happens to be white and from the neighborhood I grew up in. The reason I'm mentioning this is, Roz Baraka, think about how hard it is. Hard enough is being a leader, but then you're an African-American leader in a situation that's so tense. You want to make sure it's peaceful, but you want to make sure people's voices are heard with a lot of passion. Am I making too much of this? Not at all. You had asked him the question about, you know, why is it so hard for us to have these difficult conversations about, about race, race and confronting, yeah, confronting racism. But I think that really, his response was that, you know, because it is a difficult conversation and any difficult conversation is hard to have. But then he quickly turned it and he started talking about it being a, a Noah moment. And I, I had to listen. I was like, oh, wait, what? And he's talking about building a ship and, and pulling people together. And, and instead of looking at our differences, looking at our similarities and bringing people together, whether it was the police, the community, uh, even bringing, there were people that came, you know, in to do harm and, and figuring it out, finding the, and striking that balance. You mean protesters who protesters. did not really were not part of the movement that was there exactly. that day with 12,000 people. Mm -hmm. And in so many cities uh, throughout the country, there were those that weren't even, you know, in Philadelphia, that, that weren't even from Philadelphia, who came in to do, to loot, to cause harm and, and cause damage. And, and finding that balance and having it be as peaceful as it was, was no easy task and his leadership at its finest, for sure. Let me ask you this. I know it wasn't anything that we prepared to talk about. I know... Uh, whole bunch of things Mary and I plan for. One is this thing called the nine box performance assessment. This is a technical, this is a process whereby uh, leaders and organizations assess people's performance and their potential, a little bit more on innovation and leadership. But I, I want to I follow up on something because we talk about empathy a lot. Empathy, a key element of this thing called emotional intelligence that Dr. Daniel Goldman talks about a lot. And we had Dr. Marisa Elias talking about this recently. Check out a past lessons in leadership we did with Dr. Elias from Rutgers University. Why do I mention this? Because empathy, key part of emotional intelligence, emotional intelligence, key part of leadership. How tough do you think it is, Mary, for the two of us? Both of us happen to be obviously 
white. We're clearly not the same age. I'm going to leave that alone. Um, how hard do you think it is for us to have empathy for those who are African-American, okay, and struggling with what they've struggled with and continue to struggle with, and vice versa? Meaning, there are times that there's frustration because we don't understand each other, but how hard is it if we've lived totally different lives? Your life hasn't been easy. Mine's been easier, but with challenges, but nothing compared to with someone like Ros Baraka or others who happen to be black are dealing with. My point is this, for a leader, how does he or she relate to people who didn't grow up like them, not in the same neighborhood, not the same color, not the same challenges? Talk to me about that. It's so challenging. And I think one of the traits of a great leader, and Roz touched on it um, in his interview, was really learning. And, and to me, empathy is taking the time to listen, taking the time to ask questions and know, can we ever know exactly what it feels like? It's no different than I don't know what it feels like to be a man and you don't know what it feels like to be a woman. But if you listen to my concerns, if you listen to my uh, challenges, you could definitely learn to relate a little bit more. And the same goes when it comes down to confronting racism and really just breaking down um, all of those barriers. It's taking that time to ask questions, to listen, and then to make choices based on, okay, I have a much better understanding. I can empathize with the different challenges, um, you know, that, you know, whoever it is, fill in the blank is facing. And, and then it'll help you to just make more um, educated decisions. Do you think it goes along with the concept that you and I've talked about a lot that comes from the book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff with Dr. Richard Carlson? And you and I, again, for 20 solid years, we've talked about that book and the late Dr. Richard Carlson died, I believe before he was even 50 years of age. Um, when he wrote that book, there's a chapter that you and I, you know where I'm going. It's called The Theory of? Separate, separate Realities. Reality. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a separate reality. Like, I was just talking about Roz Baraka. I grew up, my dad was my dad. He was a major leader in the city of Newark, fighting um, for, for the community we lived in, fighting to try to improve the city. And Roz Baraka's dad was, this incredible playwright and author and social activist. But we grew up in different houses. We could never really understand each other. We had separate realities, including your reality down in Fords. Is that where you grew up? Yeah, yeah. We were talking about that. You were talking about that book, that uh, Edison book. And I'm like, oh, I know Edison because I grew up in Fords. And I don't even know Fords is a town. Ex not many people do, exactly. And But it is. It's so true. It's a different realities. I mean, I grew up where my mom stayed at home and my dad worked three jobs just to make the ends meet. And it's just a separate reality of, you know, sure. I mean, we went on vacations. We did a lot of great things. We never went without. But on the flip side, there were times that I'm like, oh, you know, I want to go out to dinner or, or get pizza. And they're like, no, we're going to eat at home because we didn't have the money to do those things. So it's the separate realities of just Sure, you know, there's always going to be people that have more, there's always going to be people that have less, but it's just about understanding, not being judgmental, and accepting everybody for their differences and embracing those differences. But it's really hard to do because for many of us, you know, it is very hard to understand the challenges that are people that people are going through. But like I said earlier, if you take the time to truly listen, not just, you know, on the surface, listen, really listen and understand it will definitely help us to get to a better place. So, so here's what's curious about this. And I'm sorry, Mary, we'll get to some of the other stuff another time, but I, I want to stay on this. And you may ask, people watching Lessons in Leadership may ask, 
what, what the heck is Stephen bringing this up for? And what does it have to do with leadership? And, and I, I really want to play this out with Mary in the five minutes we have left. It's to me, being a leader, it sounds so simple to people. Oh, you're a leader. Your job is to convince people that your way is the right way, that the direction you want to go in, that the decisions you want to make, you have to persuade them. Yeah, that's part of it. But the other weird part about leadership for me that I find very challenging is that we have all kinds of people we work for and with, or they report to us, and they're not like us. We're not like them. So a big part of leadership is not simply convincing someone you're right. Yes, you need to be persuasive. But if someone sees the world in a totally different fashion, because they grew up in a totally different neighborhood, they have a different ethnic, racial, cultural, religious background, male, female, put it, fill in the blank. They just see the world differently. And I'm sitting there sometimes going, I have to convince them I'm right. That's not leadership. Go ahead. You are so right. And we have talked about- I like about when you say that. <laughs> and, and, oh, I didn't even, that, I didn't even do that on purpose. Look at that. I know you didn't. And, and, but it is, it's so true. And one of the worst qualities of a leader is the need to be right. And the need to be, I told you so. And, and that is just, it's, um, it's a turnoff when it comes to being a good leader. And when it comes to confronting racism and, and anything involving understanding others, it's not about being right or wrong. It's about understanding. It's about building relationships. It's about surrounding yourself with a diverse, you know, whether it's age, gender, race, just getting a diverse, well-rounded. So when you look back on your life, when you're 100 years old, you really say, listen, I, I did my best to be accepting and understanding of others. And to me, that is true leadership, not just going out there and hitting your fist on the table and saying, this is my way or the highway, that's not good leadership. Well, you know what's interesting? Just, just male-female issues. There's a, um, there's a major executive in the uh, publishing industry uh, that a mutual friend of ours, one of my very close friends who you happen to get to know, uh, told me about, and it's in the press, it happened to be in the New York Times, that he lost his job because of some of the things he was saying to women in the workplace for about a decade. A lot of inappropriate, off-the-wall, sexist um, references, all kinds of weird stuff, right? And then these women finally were like, look, we're not taking this anymore. And, and, and someone could say, oh, that's part of the Me Too movement. It's part of the cancel culture. By the way, the guy lost his job as the top CEO of this company. But how about if the guy was saying, oh, come on, this Me Too movement, and you have your own views on it, and I do as well, but here's the reality. If someone perceives that something you are saying is hurtful and sexist and har harassing of them, you can't say, no, it's not. You can say it. But if the other person experiences it that way, it, can our response as a leader be, oh, stop, just grow up? That doesn't work. It does not work. You cannot tell somebody, if I say to you, oh, Steve, that what you said made me feel fill in the blank. You, there's no way you can't challenge that. You cannot, you could try to say, oh, could well. I say I, you're ridiculous? Right. It, it, and we have had those conversations, um, you know, spirited as they were in the past. Yeah. And, and, but you cannot, you cannot question how you made someone feel. So I agree with you. What does that have to do with leadership? Everything. It, it goes back to the core of leadership is being a good person, being a good human being, thinking about people first, everything else will follow. To me, that's everything that has to do with leadership. So well said. Minute left. 
Mary, uh, everyone, uh, folks can find us not just on News 12 Plus at 10 o'clock every Sunday, but there are other platforms, right? Sure. Uh, we are on Google Play. We are on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. Easiest, you can go right to stand-deliver.com, which is our website, where you can just find all of the places that we um, are on. And then I'd also like to take a moment to thank our sponsors who make this show possible. We have Gibbons PC, Prager Metis, uh, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, as well as the Downs Strategic Leadership Institute. So thank you to all of our underwriters and sponsors of Lessons in Leadership. Thank you to Elvin and Frank and Sylvester and, and Nick, and, and mostly to, in this case, to Mary Gamba, who um, they had so much every week. And again, <laughs> I just went in a different direction. She had listened to your four things <laughs> I want to talk about after we had Roz Baraka, the mayor of Newark, on. And Elvin, I see it says goodbye. Don't worry, I'll say goodbye. Um, so I'm going to say goodbye. I'm going to say thank you to Mary and thank you for watching Lessons in Leadership. I'm Steve Adubato. See you next time. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is brought to you by Gibbons PC, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. When I started working with children with autism over 25 years ago, my mission began. Autism is a multifaceted spectrum condition, which challenges our system of standard norms. What autism has taught me is that there is no cookie cutter child. Our differences ought to be celebrated, not separated. So today, take a moment to say hi or smile at someone who might be a bit different. Acceptance starts with you.